This week on Making Contact, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala are among the most dangerous countries in the world for women. Each year, thousands of women flee from these Northern Triangle countries to escape violence related to drugs and gangs, while others might be trying to break the grip of an abusive partner at home. Now, many Central American women are being returned to their countries of origin, with the hope of finding lasting refuge dimmed. Making Contact contributor Maria Martin reports on what this means for some women who've tried to flee the violence in one of those Northern Triangle countries, Guatemala. Outside of ICE headquarters in San Antonio, Texas, 50-year-old Albertina Gutierrez from Guatemala listens intently as her lawyers explain that her permit to stay in the United States has just been approved for one more year. Visibly relieved, Albertina at first smiles, but then she breaks down as she recalls why she finds herself in the United States in the first place, the violence of her everyday life in Guatemala. They were going to kill me, she says, along with my son. I don't want to go back. They were going to kill me and my son, and they killed my nephew. This working-class woman from Guatemala City experienced violence on two fronts. At home, from her children's father. He threatened me with a gun, she says. And outside, a gang attempted to extort her for money. She says they too threatened her, putting a gun to her head. Now, Albertina says she doesn't want to have anything to do with her home country, where she found nothing but guns, insecurity, and danger. Albertina says, and statistics agree, that there are few jobs in Guatemala. That's what's driving the children to join the gang, she says. And if they refuse to join, they kill them. Albertina describes a young boy of nine or ten try to kill a local taxi driver so he could turn over the driver's earnings to the leaders of his gang. It's been documented that gangs in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador recruit young children and train them as hired assassins in order to protect older gang members from harsher prison sentences.
Guatemala, like El Salvador and Honduras, has one of the highest murder rates in the Americas. It also has the third highest rate of femicide in the world, with a high rate of impunity. All these Northern Triangle countries export a large number of migrants to the United States, including women fleeing violence. My name is Denise Gilman. I direct the Immigration Clinic at the University of Texas Law School. Um, it has a really sort of dual goals. One is to train the new group of lawyers to do... Attorney Denise Gilman and, to do and her student lawyers help women like Albertina navigate the immigration process. Gilman confirms this case is not unusual and that the violence she hears about from Central American women is intense. Levels of domestic violence that would horrify uh, most U.S. folks who, who just are not uh, familiar with it. Certainly the gang violence is very serious as well. In other words, there, there is a lot of gender-based violence, whether it's intimate violence within the home, whether it's gangs targeting women for sexual exploitation, or gangs targeting women for doing something that they didn't like, like not paying extortion, by raping them or sexually assaulting them. For Albertina, making the journey north hadn't been easy. Me dijeron que me iban a prestar el el dinero para el pasaje para poder venirme. Pero son 45,000 por por mí y 6,000 por él. Pues yo yo tuve que venirme. She says she took out a loan, 51,000 quetzales for a coyote, a smuggler, to take her and her son north. That's almost $7,000, a fortune for someone like her. It's a loan she's still paying back. Albertina thinks about her debt and about the dangers she and all Central American migrants face crossing through Mexico. En México hay matan a gente, ahí han matado a, a bastante gente, emigrantes que han venido de otros países, los han matado ahí. There in Mexico, she says, they've killed a lot of migrants. A lot of people have died, like those poor people in that trailer that they found in San Antonio. Over a hundred migrants were found on a sweltering summer day in 2017 in a Walmart parking lot in San Antonio, Texas. Many were from Central America, including women and children. These people were in that trailer without any signs of any type of water. As outside temperatures soared above triple digits, witnesses say up to a hundred illegal immigrants were crammed in the back of this semi riding from Laredo to Houston. Court documents say the victims struggled to get fresh air from a single hole in the trailer's wall because they were locked in with no air conditioning. Se han muerto bastantes, vienen con sus niños de un año. A lot of people have drowned crossing the river, says Albertina, many with small children. They bring their children with them because los malos, the bad people in Guatemala, also want to take children so they'll be part of gangs. That's why mothers and fathers flee, she says. 
they don't want their children to kill or be killed. At Sonia's Mexican restaurant near ICE headquarters, Albertina shows me pictures of her grandchildren. I took care of them since they were born, she says, and they tell me they miss me. I miss them, but repeats she has no desire to return to Guatemala to be murdered. Albertina then points out a picture of a pretty young woman in her 20s. She says the young woman is her daughter Elsa, who was kidnapped by a man who's forcing her to live with him. He tells her that if he leaves, he'll kill her, says Albertina. This is a situation for many women and girls in Central America. Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras regularly rank among the countries with the highest rates of femicide in the world. In the small country of Guatemala in two recent years, more than 2,000 women were murdered violently. Just 60 of their murderers were ever put in prison. You're listening to part one of The Seekers on Making Contact. Coming up, we'll hear more on why so many Central American women braved the dangerous journey to the U.S. Well, I think if you take a historical view and you look at the role of women during the war, the violence in Guatemala. um, Professor Lynn Stephen is an anthropologist at the University of Oregon and president-elect of the Latin American Studies Association. She says that one can't divorce the current violence plaguing countries like Guatemala without considering history. In Guatemala, some 40 years of state-supported violence began when the United States helped to overthrow the democratically elected government of Jacobo Arbenz in 1954. An insurgency arose in response, which was repressed harshly by the military. In the process, thousands of innocent civilians, many of them women, often indigenous, were killed and tortured. And at least about 1,500 cases of sexual violence recorded by the Commission for Historical Memory. This historic violence is linked to femicide today, where a woman is killed about every 12 hours in Guatemala. And for indigenous women who are survivors of violence, sexual assault, it is very difficult to access justice. So often their only option is to flee for their lives. I 
Albertina's journey to the United States had begun when she took a bus to the Mexican border with Guatemala. There she and her youngest son, eight-year-old Lester, crossed the Sutiache River on rafts made from rubber tires, just like so many Guatemalans before her. I crossed and didn't even have my passport, she says. I hadn't been able to take anything with me or have time to plan because of the way I left. It was only when she finally arrived to the border at McAllen, Texas, that Albertina filled out paperwork to apply for a new passport from the Guatemalan consulate. Crossing to the United States, she explained her situation to border officials and was given an appointment for immigration to review her status as a woman fleeing from violence. Albertina Gutierrez was able to stay in the United States due to a 2014 amendment to the immigration law that extends the definition of asylum to include women suffering from violence. Attorney Denise Gilman of the Immigration Clinic at the University of Texas. In a nutshell, what you have to show for asylum is persecution on account of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. And the gang-based claims, as well as the DB claims, are mostly argued on the idea that uh, the victim is a member in a particular social group, a particular kind of social class that is being targeted by the gangs, or in the case of domestic violence, that intimate partners are targeting women who are trapped in uh, domestic relationships where they're treated as property. Even with a hardening of immigration standards under the current administration, women are still attempting to find refuge in this country. In the summer of 2017, some immigrant women from Central America and Mexico who had applied for asylum were still receiving preliminary permission to leave detention after being stopped at the border. We met some of them at the Greyhound bus station in San Antonio, Texas, on a muggy August day. Among the passengers waiting for their destinations to be called are small groups of confused-looking women, mostly young, holding babies or small children, and looking a little overwhelmed. So far from home, they tried to figure out their next steps in their flight from violence. <coughs> Alessandra is 19 years old and comes from the northern Guatemalan province of El Petén. El Petén is known for the Mayan ruins of Tikal and more recently for being taken over by Los Narcos the drug cartels whose members often force women into drugs and prostitution. Well, I left there, she says, because they threatened me. They wanted me to carry drugs, to become a prostitute for them. 
I came here because they told me they were going to kill my little girl if I didn't do this. Alessandra says she had no family to go to in Guatemala, but did have some relatives in the United States. She was detained crossing the border, but was able to apply for asylum through the Violence Against Women Act. Actually, there are refugees that have been detained in those camps. Some of them come from, we have in Texas here near San Antonio, we have two big ones. One is in Carnes County and the other one is in Dilly. Sister Consuelo is a volunteer with the immigrant legal group Raices in San Antonio. Volunteers like Consuelo go to the bus station each day to seek out women needing assistance, women like Alessandra. Once they process them and that they can be uh, classified as refugees and not immigrants, then they find where is it here in the States that somebody can harbor them, that somebody can host them family members, or relatives, or friends, or whatever. And once they declare that they are refugees for whatever reason, and that someone here in the States can take them and can host them, then they figure out, then they call those people, and then they arrange for them to come, uh, to go to them, and then they give them the bus ticket to here to San Antonio, and from San Antonio, they go to wherever they're going. Some of them are on the bus for two or three days before they arrive to their destination. Sister Consuelo is called a backpack volunteer because she brings grocery sacks with snacks, bottled water, and things like disposable diapers to give to the women. It's an organization called Raices here in San Antonio. We work through the Presbyterian Church here, which is downtown, which is two blocks away from here. We store our supplies that we give them because we give them basic things, you know, that they need for the trip, like uh, a sandwich or, or uh, you know, clothes or medications or whatever they need. The volunteers also explain what lies ahead in the next few days to these lost and confused refugees, the long distances they'll have to travel, and where to change buses on their long trip to their destinations. None speak English, some only their indigenous language. She is going from San Antonio to Indianapolis. De San Antonio a Dallas. De Dallas a Nashville. We spoke to these women seven months into the Trump administration. Their numbers at that point indicate that despite the harder line immigration crackdown, women are still going through a lot to escape the threats and the carnage in Central America. While the women in the San Antonio bus station wait in Iowa or Chicago or Dallas to see what their fate will be when it comes to immigration court, other women in Central America, also facing threats and violence daily, 
are not as lucky. In the small indigenous village of San Angelin in northern Guatemala, Rosa Maria Mendes prays in her Mayan language for her daughter, Lucia, who, in her short life, has already been through so much. Sitting in the patio of her humble stucco home, chickens scrambling on the ground, Lucia tells us that her life has always been hard. Sometimes she says, I wonder why so many bad things have happened to me. I never imagined life would be like this. Para mí fue muy difícil vivir el problema que yo tuve. Fue demasiado complicada para mí. When she was only 13, Lucia was raped by a 30-year-old neighbor in her small and isolated Mayan community. San Angelin is located in the mountains of the northern province of Huehuetenango. Lucia's father, Tomás, continues the story. Lo que pasó, tenía ahí una prima atrasita de la casa, que la prima le iba a prestar un, un CD, e inmediatamente yo le dijo que Martín no está. Al ratito cuando Martín llegó, Tomás says his daughter Lucia had gone to borrow a CD from a neighbor and came home crying. He didn't understand what was going on, but little by little, the story came out. And in a radical move, the 13-year-old and her parents brought legal action against her older, more powerful rapist. But as a consequence of taking legal action, the family began to receive threats and was harassed in public. It got so bad that Lucia began to think of leaving. I just couldn't stand it here, she says. I needed to be far away. Lucia asked her parents to help her pay a coyote, a smuggler, to take her north. She had a sister in the United States. Immigration agents found Lucia in the desert, where she'd been left alone for four days. Then she was deported, arriving in Guatemala in time to testify against her rapist. But as had happened previously, as the legal process went on, Lucia and her family received more threats, and again, she just couldn't face her rapist in court. Looking once again for a safe space, Lucia went to Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where she also had relatives. But there, too, she felt she was being watched and followed. 
andaba dos tipos grandes, no tenían pelo, son como dije, sin pelo tenía, andaban buscando a mí. Entonces a él le preguntaron si él no me conocieron, andamos buscando una chava, aquí le dijeron. There were two big bald men, she says. Lucia learned they were asking around regarding her whereabouts, showing people her photograph on a tablet. The fear of coming to harm made her think, where could she go to be safe? So she decided to once again attempt to find refuge in the United States. Me fui otra vez a Estados Unidos, intenté, intenté, quiero llegar, necesito estar allá, protegido, no sé. Deported for the second time, Lucia returned to her small village in Guatemala, where she's been for two years now. Small and slight, Lucia is now 20. Most of the time, she's too afraid and too ashamed to leave her parents' home. No puedo salir, no puedo ir a dar un vuelto allá abajo a comprar cosas que ustedes necesitan, les digo yo. Pero no puedo, porque se me quedan viendo todas las personas. In her small community, she thinks people are talking about me. She says she's trying to be calmer about her situation, but there's no doubt she lives in fear, especially since her rapist was released from jail early. He's told Lucia's family that any day, someone could enter their home. Los tengo mucho miedo a ellas. Por esa razón no salgo. Y el Señor puede estar en cualquier parte. Me puede hacer daño porque Él todavía me sigue amenazando. He and his family are still threatening me, she says. He could be anywhere. That's why I don't go out. I'm afraid he'll do something. I'm afraid that one day he'll come here and kill us all. Porque ellos están diciendo Sometimes Lucia hopes she can leave her village and go someplace where she isn't in constant fear for her life. But immigration experts say that increasingly, finding refuge in the United States is not an option. Again, immigration attorney Denise Gilman. Basically what's happening is that along pretty significant chunks of the southern U.S. border, asylum seekers who attempt to approach the immigration authorities in the United States to ask for asylum and to be sort of led into the process, to be led into detention, really, to seek asylum, are being turned away. They're simply not allowed to even come onto U.S. soil to seek asylum, although it's pretty clear that the law does not allow authorities to turn back people who are seeking asylum in that way. And in fact, there is litigation pending that has already been... Gilman says that perhaps a year ago, Lucia's case might have been approved for asylum based on the Violence Against Women Act. But with the hardening of President Trump's immigration policies, she doesn't see much chance for this young woman or others like her to find refuge from violence in this country. We are absolutely seeing repeatedly situations where people come to the border, to the bridge, and they tell an immigration official, a U.S. immigration official, that they are seeking asylum, that they are afraid of returning home. And the border official says, no, no, we're not doing asylum anymore. Or you don't have an asylum claim. Or we're busy, we're full, we don't have time, go back. The principle of asylum 
and the right of those seeking it to not be returned to countries where they are likely to be harmed or killed was enshrined into international law after World War II. But recent investigations indicate this right is being violated on a regular basis by customs and border patrol agents. In 2017, asylum judges rejected some 60% of asylum seekers. This was the highest denial rate in over 10 years. The head of the U.S. justice system, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, is no supporter of the asylum process and has himself criticized what he calls rampant fraud and abuse in the asylum system. So is the political climate in the United States that once helped women seek refuge from violence becomes less friendly, women around the world have less and less recourse to escape situations that continue to threaten and even kill them. This program was written and produced by Maria Martin in Guatemala. Reporting for this project was made possible by a grant from FIJ, the Fund for Investigative Journalism. I'm this week's host and producer, Monica Lopez. Thanks for listening to Making Contact.